Support for today's Heat Treat Radio episode is provided by Heat Treat Consultants. Find the most comprehensive list of consultants in Heat Treat at www.heattreattoday.com forward slash consultants. Welcome to Heat Treat Radio. Today, Doug Glenn, publisher of Heat Treat Today, and Dennis Beauchene, general manager at ECM USA, hash out the misperceptions about robotics from their realities for the heat treater. If you're looking to incorporate fascinating new tech onto the floor, you better take a listen. Thanks for joining us. Uh, it's been a long time since we've talked about finally to getting together on uh, on Heat Treat Radio to to have a little conversation about some interesting things. Today, we're going to talk to Dennis Beauchene, who I'm going to let Dennis introduce himself in just a moment. But we're going to talk to Dennis Beauchene of ECM USA a bit about robotics. Uh, but Dennis, welcome. Appreciate you. Uh, appreciate you joining us. Well, Doug, thank you very much for having me on. And yes, we've been talking about it for quite a while. Yes. And I'm really glad we could finally get our schedules together to to make this happen. Yeah. Yeah. So we're recording just after the holidays. We're, I think both of us are sobered up. We're back to back to be able to think clearly. Do want to talk about robotics though? Uh, but let's talk just to give the listeners and or viewers a sense of of Dennis Beauchene, your background. Just briefly tell us where you've come from and uh, you know, how long you've been working in the North American heat treat market. Right. So thank you. Um, so my name is Dennis Beauchene. I am the general manager of ECM USA, which is the U.S. subsidiary of ECM Technologies uh, working out of France. And I've been with ECM Technologies for now almost 21 years. Um, about 10 years before that, I also worked uh, with other furnace companies and uh, some in the heat treat business, as well as uh, selling alloy baskets, fans, uh, those kinds of things. Also had a, um, a rep organization for three years uh, where we sold, I sold uh, uh, probes and um, uh, a number of other heat treat related items, of course. So I've had my share of crawling around furnaces and heat treats and getting to know um, the applications, uh, loading mechanisms and, and all of the processes or most of the processes. Certainly not an expert on a lot of the heat treat processes, but um, one in particular, low-pressure vacuum carburizing, and especially with gas quenching, um, is something that I've been working with for over 20 years, uh, but uh, certainly uh, hardening and other applications as well uh, in in vacuum furnaces is, is our forte. Yeah, great. Great. Now, in based on conversations you, have, I, you and I have had in the past, we started talking about robotics, right? This This it's almost an element of the industry 4.0 to a certain extent, you know, augmented reality, virtual reality, things of that sort. Robotics definitely fits into that some. So uh, let's talk about that a little bit. I, from your perspective, what is ECM seeing as far as just the use of robotics? I'm, I'm curious, just industry in general, but if you want to narrow it down also and talk a little bit about where are you currently seeing robotics used in heat treat? That would be great. Sure. So robotics um, in general and automation. Automation has always been a leading technology for ECM USA and ECM technologies worldwide. Um, a lot of our vacuum furnaces, as you know, are large scale, high production equipment, as well as single chamber systems. But uh, automation usually plays a part in our offering. And that. Before it was conveyors, uh, walking beam tables, rolling tables, 
uh, those kinds of things uh, where we automated the process so that you wouldn't you would have obviously time control over the process when the parts went to temper, et cetera. But what we're seeing more and more, and the reason that I'm here today is that uh, ECM is very much involved with the robotics uh, handling of parts before and after heat treatment as well. So we've 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 come across quite a few applications in the industry uh, where these are required. And also, uh, as we know, you and I were just at some recent uh, fall meetings and and uh, labor uh, availability is is the number one issue in the world today, as we know. And I really feel that robotics can can do a lot to help out in that area. Um, and where we've seen robotics work is loading unloading alloy fixtures, uh, loading and loading CFC fixtures, taking parts out of bins and bringing them, putting them in heat treat fixtures. And then you either have operators move them to the furnaces or, or load them automatically through the automation system, conveyors, walking beams, et cetera. So we've, we've done those systems, um, especially in Europe. We've done a number of systems there. Um, we are installing a system here this summer um, in North America, and it will be fully robotic integrated. Um, so the customer brings us parts that will be in particular totes, um, and we would be loading them into CFC fixtures. The fixtures will be retained um, in the heat treat area, and then uh, the parts will be unloaded uh, after heat treat and then loaded back into their particular bins, totes, uh, and, and the containers. So um, a fully, completely automated process. And uh, it's not that um, it's the same part every time. There are actually 175 different parts. So I think that's um, that's a really important uh, piece of information. And they're not all gears. They're not all shafts. There's a mixture of a bunch of different parts. So it's a very challenging application, but also one that with today's technology and robotics, uh, vision systems, um, is uh, a doable situation. And um, we're, we're looking forward to showing off more of that. Yeah, that, that and that was one of my questions, because especially when you mentioned 175 different types of parts, is uh, is the system that you're speaking about or are the systems that can be made by by ECM or, or others? I assume they are going to use vision recognition, right? They're not just going to say, well, I'm going to take my uh, electron, my robotic arm, and I'm going to this position where they tell me there is this type of part. Or is that arm actually going to be able to say, oh, that's that type of part, therefore I treat it thusly? Yeah, there's, um, I would say in this application, um, uh, if people saw the the loading and unloading, they would say, well, of course, uh, the part's going to be in the same location, it's going to be in the same toad, it's going to be in the same uh, plastic locking device that it's going to be uh, every time. So this is true, and this this is very true in this application. And I think that's one of the things that's a, a challenge in the heat treat business is that parts come in, especially for heat treaters, um, not the captive operations, but even in captive operations, parts come in in different forms. Uh, they're in bins, they're in tins, they're in uh, bins with plywood covers, they're plywood covers with cardboard covers, with bubble wrap with, I mean, all the things that you see across the marketplace. Um, and, and as you mentioned, um, vision is a big, big part of robotics. I mean, you actually have some eyes for the robot to know 
there's no part there. I'm not going to go get it. Uh, I change my program. I go here um, or I twist the, the wrist of the robot a different way to pick up that part, whether it's flat or round or whatever. So there are uh, vision plays a big part and uh, the advancements in vision and robotics um, are, are huge and have been huge as they have been in vacuum furnace technology as well and gas quenching. So those things moving forward are a lot of part of research and development at ECM and ECM USA. So things are moving forward. Okay, so before we get too too deep into what exactly these robots are and and how they work, I I just still want to question you a little bit about the motivation for why people are using them. I mean, you mentioned about labor, right? Labor shortage being one of the one of the main main reasons is I'm assuming that there's there there are some benefits there. Uh, are these robots replacing people, or are they assisting people? What what do you see? Yeah, I think it's uh, it's really across the board for both. Um, you know, you you are replacing people, but not really replacing people that aren't present. I mean, that's part of the the, the labor shortage is you don't have people to to replace. Uh, so that's that's part of the situation. So we're, we're really adding to the capability or the versatility of that heat treat shop or captive heat treat uh, by adding a robot or adding a person, if you want to look at it that way. Uh, but uh, they're also working together with the people uh, on the line or in, in the heat treat to, uh, to assist um, them. So you could have a robot that merely lifts a bin and moves it to another location where you're uh, helping a person not having to pick up uh, such a heavy load. Um, you also you also have robots that are placing parts precisely in a fixture or placing parts precisely um, in in a bin. Um, whereas um, the the quality of the that part is not impaired. Like you're not dropping it or you're not scratching it along with another part. Um, you're moving it. You're moving it very carefully, like a customer would want to handle that particular part with higher quality. I think uh, what was best um, taken from one of our fall sessions was that I remember one of the one of the presenters uh, indicated they were using robots and said that in their process they were using this robot to actually do some of the heat treat, and they said that they really no longer can do that heat treat process anymore with a human. Uh, because the robot was so precise at, at getting them heat correctly on that part uh, for what they were doing. So in, in, that, in that way, you are increasing the quality and the value of your heat treat and your uh, the, the robot inter- integration. Right. The repeatability is, a, is the issue and the real advantage there. Precise placement and processing of that item, uh, which which, you know, even the best of us humans can't do, you know. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, yeah. Okay, good. So realistically speaking, from ECM's perspective, can you give us a sense of what the growth in interest in in robotics has been? I mean, let's let's maybe just take a snapshot. Ten years ago, what was it like? Five years ago, what was it like? What is it today? I mean, what kind of growth are we seeing? What percentage of your RFPs, RFQs are actually asking for it? Yeah, I would that's a great question. Um, I would say that 10 years ago. Um, there were very few opportunities or very few discussions about robotics. Uh, we, we, would, we would have robotic discussions with, let's say, uh, large automotive companies that were doing 
you know, thousands of parts uh, a week or, or a year. Um, and they would mostly at that time talk to outside um, robotics companies and, and try to integrate robotics into a heat treat market uh, where a lot of robotics companies would say, you mean this surface is going to be warped? It's going to be changed the next time I go to put that same part in that same location? Um, I can tell you that caused the, a lot of havoc uh, in, in, the, in the heat treat uh, business. Um, also with just handling parts in and out of a heat treat load, whether it was a, a new heat treat load uh, that was green or a heat treat load that was already uh, hard, um, handling those parts differently, uh, whether it's, especially in a gas quench situation, knowing uh, that they're uh, been processed or not. Um, that was also a, a new uh, development in robotics. So five years ago, I would say you started seeing more people where there were several uh, robotic companies that were out there that were starting to say, hey, we can handle this. Uh, vision was coming along a lot faster um, and uh, there was more presence of vision in with the robotics. Today, uh, today I would say the last 18 months or two years, uh, we've seen a, a real um, uptick in our RFPs, RFQs uh, coming in where um, they're looking to a company like ECM where we have a lot of experience in automation to further that um, that arm to, to get robotics involved with not only just um, processing a load of parts, but taking apart single piece and then building a load and then processing that and then giving the piece part back to the operations. Um, and that, that's been uh, increasing uh, uh, quite a bit. And in an effort to take care of that, um, about five years ago, we had purchased a company that was doing a lot of robotics internally with their furnace company, furnace systems um, in the semiconductor industry. Aha, okay. And so we had a lot of robotic uh, tech, uh, technical expertise in that. Um, and if you, if you know that industry, you're handling a lot of thin uh, parts uh, and a lot of movement, very high volume. And also, um, there were, there's a lot of vision that's being used in that, and also vision in the quality control as well afterwards. So today, we're seeing requests for robots loading, unloading. We're also seeing requests for robots picking up parts, putting them in front of the camera, actually measuring the part for distortion uh, control. We're actually we're all also seeing uh, parts that are being uh, automatically hardness tested. Uh, before they're they're put into another the uh, finished uh, part uh, bins or totes or wherever the next uh, stage of processing is. So I assume at that point at that time they're able to separate the sheep from the goats, so to speak. You know, well hardened, not well hardened, and exactly, exactly. Yeah, there's a lot more automated systems for uh, those process quality control as well as the parts come out of the furnace. Yeah. Okay, so let me ask, let me ask you this question because I'm curious. A lot of times when when some people think of robots, you know, we start thinking of the Jetsons or something like that. But I think most people with their you know with their feet on the ground, up their heads not in the in the clouds too much. When we think of robotic robots, we tend to think of I tend to think of you know that that robotic arm, right? That type of thing where it's a stationary robot, if you will, with with functions you know within its reach. Is it it are are is this the type of robot we're talking about now? Is that's what's most common, or do you do we anticipate? Do you anticipate that there's going to be those mobile, let's say mobile 
robots that are roaming around doing things, helping with with workers, or are they are they exoskeleton type robots that are on the backs of people. I, I'm just curious what you guys are, what your prognosticating is on that on that point. Very very good question. Again, um, I would say that there's when we when we look at robotics moving parts around the plant, we usually call those AGVs or automatic guided vehicles. Um, and we're working on a number of projects with with those uh, types of facilities, um, and that uh, reduces a lot of traffic internally uh, for people moving forklifts around, and it becomes a much safer facility. And the, and these are not on tracks, right? We're not talking they're not like on monorails or or railroad tracks. It's just free moving. Yeah, tracks are a thing of the past now with with AGVs. Um, there are a number of different ways of doing. It. I'm not an AGV specialist or robotic specialist for that matter, but they do have AGVs now that are uh, controlled by cameras uh, up in the plant, so that the the uh, the cameras know exactly where the, the the AGV is and is located. And there are also ways of putting uh, tape down or uh, some other line in the concrete where the 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 uh, the, gar- the AGV can follow. So those those um, those uh, methods are out there for AGVs, and usually the AGVs are used in, in some of the situations we're into right now. Are uh, they're used to pre- um, to promote the the accurate tack time through the plant? Um, so that's uh, you know whether it's twenty minutes, they need a part every twenty minutes, they need a part every ten minutes. It's it's uh, it's well designed in that fashion. So there are usually tracks or pallets uh, that are on these AGVs that move from machining center to heat treat center to uh, post machining uh, center, post heat treat center. So those things are are very much out there. AGVs have also, um, you know, grown leaps and bounds as well in their own right. Uh, As far as the the robot being stationary, or as you spoke about working together with uh, other operators in a collaborative fashion, um, both of these methods are being used, of course. But we still we still see that the larger uh, single uh, robot, single arm robots, let's say, can be multifaceted. In other words, we can have three or four uh, um, handling devices or grippers, as we would say, on the end of this on the end of this robot. So it could be picking up a part, then picking up a tray, then picking up a full load with the same gripper or the same handset that's on the gripper. So these are these are multifaceted robots. So you're not really looking at um, every time you need to uh, pick up a different part, you need to have a different tool. Um, so these, these, so that's that's what's being done with those, as well as trying to reduce the footprint and be making a much safer robot system uh, with the collaborative design, where if you touch it, it stops. Um, in addition, robot programming also has become far far less uh, tedious, let's say, or a far less far less required from a specific uh, person to do the programming. Right, right. And you mentioned the word I wanted to ask you about, which is probably the hot topic, and we'll have to make sure the lawyers get involved here. You know, what about safety? I mean, if especially it's not just the stationary ones, or it's not just the mobile AGVs. I think you said uh, that that you know, afraid of running somebody over or hitting somebody or something. But it's also these stationary ones that have moving parts. Any safety concerns, or what can you tell us about the safety, the advances in safety, that type of stuff? 
Well, of course, uh, safety is always a uh, uh, you know very very important part. I mean, we're trying to eliminate uh, workers uh, by uh, not not having to pick up these parts and whatever, but we still need to be safe in that environment. So there are a number of ways. Um, a lot of people are trying to get away from the full cages with light curtains and those kinds of things. Um, so using the collaborative robots where they're touch sensitive uh, and can be shut off uh, instantaneously. Um, are, are probably the best way to go. With the AGVs running through the plant, there are a number of sensor systems um, on those AGVs that um, that would stop them, as well as they move they move at a very slow pace as well um, throughout the plant. But there are a number of uh, safety devices, depending on the installation, whether it's a, um, a standalone system or it's something that working collaboratively with a, with a person, uh, safety is is always important and can be can be uh, can be working. Uh, I would say much more advantageous these days with with other workers. When we return, Doug and Dennis are going to talk about limitations and hesitancies related to robotics and how they're mainly a matter of perception. We'll also look at real concrete benefits to implementing robotics. But first, are you looking to stop the brain drain at your heat treat facility? Turn to today's sponsor, Heat Treat Consultants, for a comprehensive list of heat treat industry consultants. Plug in www.heattreattoday.com forward slash consultants to find experts that can help you manage better, heat treat better, or understand safety and tech solutions better. Details about each consultant are easily found when you click their name in the Heat Treat Consultants list. Contact a Heat Treat Consultant directly or come to us so you can be introduced. Whether it's a technical process question, a safety concern, a compliance issue, or a business-related question, one of our Heat Treat Consultants will be able to help. Again, Heat Treat Consultants are at www.heattreattoday.com forward slash consultants. Now, back to the episode. I think the, row, the, the, the whole advantage here is that it's better, ultimately, it's better for the human worker to have these machines doing it. I mean, it's taking away some, typically the ro- robotics are taking away some of the, the uh, redundant, the, the tedious work, that type of thing. Would you agree with that? I agree. And that's typically what we discuss with the customers is, as where in, the, where in your plan do you have difficulty hiring people to, to work? And, and, and I would say 90% of those customers answer you know, I can't I can't hire anybody for a long period of time when they're taking a part from a bin and putting it in a fixture, taking apart or taking a part out of the fixture and replacing it in the bin properly. Um, they, they say that those people last a few months and they they move on. If um, and you know the worst case is that if you have someone that's been there a long time and you put them in that position, it's um, it's it's a it's a, a negative form. They finally feel like okay, I've they've got some something on me, and I and I have to go down and build loads. Now. So, um, and I think that's really um, like you said, people are thinking about robots, and they're a little bit hesitant. But I would say that, um, and maybe you'll get to this question, but it's it's more of the possibilities and the way people think about robots. Um, I, I would have to say the the most that I've heard, especially from heat treaters, is. Well, it's it's not going to do what I need it to do. Uh, it I, I can't I can't use a robot because I don't have that many of the same part every year. Um, and and the, and really that is changing. Um, what we're uh, what we're planning on doing is having a, a demo site here, hopefully before the end of this year, 
where we we could have uh, certain bins of parts uh, and show how with vision we can pick up different parts and put them in heat treat loads and and move them around. So yeah, yeah. Well, let's let's go there. Let's go there because that actually was a question I wanted to ask. You know, to a certain extent, we're limited. We're limited in our in our willingness to use robotics because we're probably limited in our understanding of what they can do, right? And I'm quite sure that as much as you ECM as as uh, dedicated resources to developing current capabilities, that I'm sure there are some dreamers in your group that say, you know, we could get robots to do this if only someone would say, okay. Can, I mean, can you share with us maybe some of the things that you are currently doing that are kind of maybe a little cutting edge or at least useful to our captive heat treaters? And then also some of those things that could be done. Could be done. These are some of the things. I'm just kind of curious to the extent of where we might be able to go here in the next 10 years. Yeah, and and um, I even myself learning uh, as we go along as well um, of the technologies that are out there. I mean, what I'm impressed with with robotics is they not only help once they're installed, uh, but before the concept is even put together. Um, we've, I've put on VR glasses and walked through a heat treat and you can understand exactly what the robot's function is, what it sees, where it goes. We can actually also walk through a furnace installation and see what the height of everything is, the level of everything, so how it moves around. Um, so those are some of the applications even before you get the robot involved or, or installed. Uh, the other possibilities that people do think that, oh, this is going to be expensive, first of all. Uh, they think well, it's not going to work on my parts and my situation. There, there will be some concessions that everybody's going to need to make. Uh, for instance, uh, the heat treat fixtures, maybe the ones that are really warped, uh, you're, you're going to have to not use those as much anymore. <laughs> um, uh, or you may have to go to some more standard basket or a more standard fixture for all the parts. Um, so you may not get your million parts in one load <laughs> like everybody wants to get. <clears throat> Um, but you would get them done more efficiently and, and faster as well. So um, some of the applications we've done um, where we've taken very thin ceramic material and put it on setters and put them in some um, uh, brazing furnaces and, uh, and sintering furnaces and then move the, the loads around, unstack the load, stack the load, restack the load, um, and done that all completely in a robotic cell um, without without touching the parts ever. And then as the parts come out, they're electrically tested to make sure they're good. Um, and like I said, in this other application or several other applications, we've also done uh, bulk filling of CFC fixtures. So you would have a CFC fixture that needed to be, say, bulk loaded with small pieces. Um, we actually, actually have them um, go through a vibrating machine, fill the CFC fixture to a certain level, Put a, the robot comes over, puts a screen on top, moves a CFC fixture onto a heat treat load, um, and does that continuously. Is that is that done, Dennis, by weight or by vision? Uh, both, actually. By both? both. Okay. Yeah, both. Yeah, because you can have the you can have the weight, but you may not have it even. The, yeah, so it's got the distribution. They would vibrate it out till it's acceptable, and then the screen would come in. Okay, that's it. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and, and like I said, the possibilities of uh, heat, treat, uh, heat treat robotics is really what it's coming down to. Um, heat treat robotics today is to, to, to educate and have everybody understand that it is and could be capable of taking flat parts out of bins and, and putting them 
it, you know, in uh, fixtures properly and removing them and doing the, the reverse action. That we, we need to educate people that these, these things are available out there. And it doesn't have to be at any particular type of furnace um, or any particular type of size of load of the furnace. It's a matter of um, setting up a station, uh, maybe a loading unloading station that you might have uh, an area in your plant um, to do the robotic handling of it. And with our expertise in, in heat treating, understanding the, the, the facets of what happens to the parts and the fixtures during the heat treat process. Um, and so those are the those are the kinds of things that we see, like I said, right from design of the system and the layout, uh, understanding how everything's going to work on a VR standpoint, all the way to implementation in a in a in a in a facility that takes in many different parts uh, on a daily basis and processes them. So that I think that's true to form and what's moving forward in robotics today. Okay, so now here, let's just talk. And I want to throw this one at you. See what your in, input is on this. Let's think about robotics for the whole way through a process. I'm gonna. I want to think just for a minute about, let's just say, a, a, a mesh belt furnace. I know you guys do a lot in vacuum and things of that sort, but could be could be the same. Could be the same type of thing. Could we use on the front end robotics to do not only not only placement of the product, but product inspection. Let's say making sure that it's a clean surface, whether because some of these, you know, for nitriding, for example, making sure impurities are off and things of that sort. I assume we could use robotics on that end to, to inspect the product, make sure it's good to go in the basket. Then we put it in the basket or in the fixture, whatever, goes through the furnace, comes out the other end, is inspected at that time, right? Picked up, inspected for whether it be hardness or, or whatever, uh, distortion, and and then placed out onto the you know depending on where it needs to go. I assume all that's possible, correct? You can you assume and and yes, it is possible. Um, I I personally haven't seen anybody install that particular system, but I would love I would love to be part of it. Um, we we have designed a system and quoted on a system that was used uh, using a mesh belt. Um, this very good uh, uh, example for you as, as well, where the customer felt, uh, or actually the customer of the heat treat department um, felt that the pro the parts uh, these were like coin shaped type parts, um, and it felt better that the parts were run uh, that that were processed better vertically uh, rather than just in a pile on the belt. Um, so these parts were put in small fixtures on the belt, and this fixture was maybe a six inches by six inches, and took up a you know a four foot wide belt. Um, and those were uh, loaded in place very properly, and then also on the outside on the outlet of the furnace uh, belt uh, were, were also unloaded. And then of course they were also, or the design was for them to inspect them by coloration, um, and then also by, by hardness. So that was a real. And, and and I didn't share that with you before this <laughs> before this uh, meeting, but uh, that was one application that we we quoted on, and yeah, it's really uh, something that's very doable. We talked earlier about the companies who, who, for example, if they have high diversity of product, right, and not high quantity of those products. I assume, and you've mentioned it, that really robotics probably is not as likely to be helpful to them as a company who has low variability of products but high volume of those products. Is that? Do you have any comments on that? Is that safe? For example, a commercial heat treater who does all kinds of crazy things doesn't have uh, you know a, a lot of any one thing. 
safe to say robotics probably would not be as useful to them? Well, I would have to say that that is the that is the uh, thought uh, um, that we're trying to change. Okay, all right. Um, that, that's that's the thought that we're trying to change. We're trying to change that thought because uh, I've sat at a number of the tables uh, during the lunches and dinners at at some of these uh, presentations, and that's exactly what I hear from the heat treaters. Well, that robotics isn't for me. I I don't do enough of the same part. Uh, and in and in reality. Um, a lot of these robotic systems now are easily programmable by grabbing the gripper and moving it to where you want it to go. Um, and if you have repeatable parts, like, okay, maybe you don't have uh, 100 million of these parts in the same month, but uh, maybe you have uh, 10,000 of them over 12 months. Um, so once that's programmed in the, in the robot, then you have that, that, uh, that program for the next time. Um, so there may, there may be some initial... Um, programming time that you may have to apply to it. Um, and we, we don't see that that is a, a big downside because the vision system will understand how what the part looks like before you even the robot picks it up. Um, so so the, uh, the programming has become much easier and simpler um, for everybody so that you don't have to have a big staff just to take care of the robots. And I think that's the other misnomer that, that companies have is that well, if I get a robot, uh, I don't only have to pay for the robot, but I have to have the five support staff for that for that robot. Um, and, and in fact, that's that's not um, something that's uh, that's be that's becoming a thing. Um, I would say that in, in in one of the cases, the same person that was talking about the quality of the robot was also talking about the excitement of his team to work with the robot um, and to be able to learn to learn to program that robot. And that be that being their job rather than loading and unloading the fixtures. Uh, and to that, to them, that was more exciting and, and made them come to work, you know, uh, wanted them to come to work every day. And also was uh, was a lead in for them to hire more people um, to say, hey, we're, we're, we're implementing robotics uh, in the plant. And there's an opportunity to work in that department eventually or um, eventually we'll bring robotics into your department. So th there are. Yeah those incentives as well uh, with some of the employees. You may, you may have hinted at this before. You're, you're saying that programming of the robot sometimes can be as easy as, as uh, showing it what to do by moving it, saying, here's what you do, grab this, put this here, grab this, put this here. That's, that's as easy as it can be? It, it, it's, it's becoming that way, yes. I'm not a programmer. I'm not a programmer, but... I'm, I've seen a lot of demos, as a lot of other people have. Um, that yes, those those things are are possible. Get it in a general location, and then maybe you tweak it a little bit here and there. Um, yes, uh, those those things are much much easier to do. So probably to say to those who are uh, robotic uh, doubters, let's just say uh, that probably would be good to not assume that it's as difficult as what you might think, and to keep an open mind, right? Let me ask you this. So as, as a, let's say you're a, it could be a commercial heat treater, but let's talk about most of our audience or a lot of our audience are the, the manufacturers with own in-house heat treat, right? So what we call captive heat treaters. What, what questions should they be asking themselves about robotics or it, whether or not it makes sense for them? I mean, is there a, a, is there a list of questions that they ought to be asking or considering before they even say, yeah, we probably ought to consider robotics? I think that uh, when when you're doing repetitive uh, operations in your in your facilities, whether it's captive or, or heat treat shop, 
when you're doing repetitive operations, I think that's where um, you get the most benefit from a robotic system, obviously. Um, so that's one, that's one thing. Um, the other one is, are you doing uh, similar uh, operations uh, in that repetitiveness? Like, are you always building the same type of fixture? Are you always building it for the same furnace load? Um, those things where you can get, I would say the more similarities you can get to that robot to work with, the more um, uh, cost-effective it becomes. Uh, but there are also a, a lot of benefits to having that robot be very versatile uh, in working with a number of different size uh, furnace loads, as well as uh, part uh, dimensions. So I, I think I can't, I can't say that there's a specific set of uh, questions, but um, certainly would love to work with any customer that has a thought, of, uh, even, even a thought that, hey, maybe I should look into this. Um, we'd, be love, we'd be happy to talk to them. I, I think the high repeatability is is critical. Uh, I would imagine, Dennis, uh, tell me what you think of this, that if if they're dealing with high value parts, even if there's not a huge number of them, and they're looking to eliminate the potential for human error, even if it's simply in the placement of that product or you know or if they're looking for single part traceability, perhaps, Robotic systems definitely, it seems to me, would be also something that would be of interest. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, In-process defects, that's um, something that would be very good at eliminating. Um, and also, as you said, if you were looking for traceability, um, I can tell you that we can build a robot system that can trace, even if you have 500 parts in a heat treat load, it can tell you exactly where the part came from in the load, um, where, you, where you put it in the load, where it came from. Um, and uh, where it went after it came off of the heat treat rack. So traceability is really a good point that I didn't bring up, but thank you for that. Doug, because uh, <laughs> Add yes, that to your list. Um, add that to the list. Add it to my list. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, traceability is, is really important as well, right? We could, you can do that with, uh, with the furnaces and, um, and that's for a single piece part flow, uh, whereas a lot of people are going to that method. Uh, a single piece gets to the heat treat furnace, not a, a, a bin of parts. Uh, and then you can trace every part uh, through the through the heat treat load and back out of it. The other thought I was having while you, while you were talking was that it, and this may be very mi- a number of minor cases, but you know, the, a lot of times there's situations where a part's got to come out of a, and of course this could be done with, I suppose, manipulators or things of that sort. But where a part's got to come out of a hot furnace, it's got to cool off in order to be moved to the next location, you know, to the next process. Seems to me with with any type of automation, robotics included, that you could eliminate that that the amount of heat loss between furnace one and temper furnace, you know, the next the next process. So I don't know if that's a a reasonable one too, but yeah, I think that's a, that's another application is you know um, operating press quenches, um, you know, where you're moving a hot pot out over the end of a uh, furnace and and moving it over to a quench. It's an extremely hot part that you don't want to touch. Obviously, there are gantry systems for that. There are a number of robot systems that, that can be installed uh, to, to get those people out of those uh, hazardous uh, you know, jobs. For sure. yeah. Definitely a place. And also ensures the quality because your timing is really important as well. Yeah. You mentioned about maintenance of these systems a little bit, at least the, up, the programming of them. Uh, I'm assuming I'm assuming maintenance is somewhat of an issue. I mean, if there's moving parts and things of that sort, there's probably going to be some maintenance on it, whether it be 
uh, hardware maintenance and or software maintenance. Any any comments on the amount of money or amount of time that a person would spend maintaining these systems as opposed to maintaining a human being doing those systems? Well, it's a very good question. Uh, again, um, and it should it should be something that's part of your machine maintenance. Whether it's uh, it is a machine tool, it is it is going to need some maintenance. So it's part of your maintenance requirements. So um, if uh, if people use the same maintenance uh, uh, priorities that they do for the heat treat furnaces, um, thank goodness the robots work really well as well in those hazardous environments. So, so I would say that um, they they hold up very well. Uh, robots have been around a number of years and and uh, they're, they're very industrialized. Um, so. So uh, maintenance is not as critical as they used to be, uh, but obviously still required. And, and I'm sure they can handle the environments too, whether they're, hopefully the environments in the heat treat shops are getting better and not so smoky, oily, that type of thing. I'm assuming that that any robots you put in there would be able to handle whatever environment it's in. So that's good. That would be part of the requirements as well. Yeah, 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 exactly. Okay. Any, any concluding thoughts, anything I've missed that you want to hit on at all, Dennis? No, I just think that um, when you think, um, you know, well, robotics isn't for me, um, spend a little time and, and look into it. That's that's really my, my um, I mean, I've been blown away with uh, the technology to today. I mean, look at our, our cell phones aren't even phones anymore. We use them for many, many, many more things than we use for, for a phone. Um, robotics uh, have come to be that way as well. There, there's so many more things that can be used in conjunction with the robotics uh, to help you get your job done and service your customer, you know, appropriately with good quality parts. Yeah, I, I got one other quick question. I just thought of. Uh, so often we perceive, at least I, I perceive. Let me let me own this one as opposed to blame others for it. Right, I perceive that a lot of times our companies in Europe are a bit ahead of us on technology, or at least the adoption of some of these technologies. So with ECM being, uh, you know, the, the, the mothership being in France, are you seeing that, that there's a, a wider acceptance of robotics from companies in Europe than here in the States? Uh, I wouldn't call it acceptance, but there are, there are many more uh, applications and, and customers looking into it uh, in Europe than there are here, yes. Um, I think that um, maybe we haven't uh, realized that the people aren't there and we're not going to find them. Um, um, then, then I think in Europe where they realized um, even a few years ago that they're just not going to find these people um, and, and uh, they need to automate or uh, the, the operators that they can find are not going to get the job done the way they needed to get it done because technology has grown so fast with the quality of the parts necessary, especially with, with EV products uh, today. Um, you know, dropping a part or, or having a part nicked by something or even c continuous productivity uh, is important. So, yes, yeah. yes, we've seen more in Europe. And that's an, another reason why we've uh, been on the leading edge of this technology and now bringing it to the U.S. Uh, in North America is uh, in, in a sim more simpler fashion uh, with the same people having the same experiences over in Europe. Yeah. And being somewhat facetious, the one the other thing robots give you that humans don't is they don't have to pass drug tests. I'm pretty sure that the robots are okay. 
They don't pass drug. They don't have to pass drug tests, and they don't have to get COVID tests either. So, <laughs> yeah, good point. Good point. And they don't miss many days of work, but nonetheless. All right. Any, uh, tell us where, what you're comfortable with as far as, uh, giving out, you know, any of your information for us to, to get in for not us, but for listeners to get in touch with you. Sure. You can, uh, you can go to, uh, ecm-usa.com. Um, you can fill out a request form there. You can email me directly, uh, my full name, Dennis Beauchene, um, or db at ecm-usa.com. Um, you can call my cell phone, even 336-210-5316. Um, we'd be glad to talk to you about any of your, uh, potential applications. Uh, you're kicking it around, you're thinking about it. Um, and, um, we have some information on our website and on the ECM, uh, technologies website in, in France as well on robotics. So those are the, the places that we can get contact. Great. Dennis, thanks a lot. Appreciate it. Good to talk with you. Same here, Doug. Great to see you and uh, great to talk with you. It's a great subject and I appreciate the questions, the input and the coverage. We hope you enjoyed listening to today's episode with Dennis Beauchene. He Tree Radio is on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, Podbean and the website www.heatreattoday.com forward slash radio. If you'd like to get in contact with Dennis, head over to www.ecm-usa.com or call him at 336-210-5316. You can also either email him at db at ecm-usa.com or reach out to me and I can put you in touch. My email is bethany at heatreattoday.com. Do you have a new or interesting idea that you want to hear discussed on Heat Treat Radio? If so, let me know. Also, if you'd like to sponsor a future episode, let me know at bethany at heatreattoday.com. Heat Treat Radio is just one way Heat Treat Today tries to help you get the information you need to make good decisions. If you like what you heard, explore the e-newsletters, e-books, social media groups, and more that heatreattoday.com has to offer. Heat Treat Radio would like to thank Heat Treat Consultants for sponsoring this episode. Find the most comprehensive list of consultants in Heat Treat at www.heatreattoday.com forward slash consultants. This and every other episode of Heat Treat Radio is the sole property of Heat Treat Today and may not be reproduced in part or in whole without advanced written permission from Heat Treat Today. Our amazing audio and visual producer, Jonathan Lloyd, created and mixed most of the music that you heard today. Check out his professional work at www.jonathanlloydmusic.com. Thank you, Jonathan. And I'm your host, Bethany Leon. Thank you for listening.